Hi, this is that old retired pastor, Bill Woods, and I hope everything's going well for you. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and you remember to give God thanks for all the wonderful blessings he's given to you. I want to talk today about uh, our preparation for Christmas. I'm going to be talking from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, and I'm entitling this little sermon, Was This Any Way to Treat a King? You know, it was a miracle when Jesus Christ came. Sometimes we take it for granted that, you know, we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate with all Christmas trees and tinsel and gifts for each other, which has always amazed me because it's his birthday, but we give presents to everybody else. Uh, we celebrate with a little fat guy in a, a red suit, long beard and lots of toys and gifts. I think we've missed the point. The point is the miracle that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We read in Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7, at that time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them, or as King James says, no room for them in the inn. You know, paying taxes isn't something we like to do, but this time God orchestrated it. This time it was a miracle because God moved a whole nation to get married to Bethlehem so that prophecy could be fulfilled at Jesus' birth. Augustus wasn't uh, a man of God. He didn't know he was helping complete God's prophecy that had been made 750 years earlier. You know, God often uses evil men to carry out his purpose. He did to chasten Israel often. He used evil men to crucify Jesus. And that's what he did here. He used evil people to set things up so Christ could be born and fulfill prophecy. The birth is told about in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. If people who have trouble with the virgin birth would check a little closer, they'd see that everything about the birth of Christ is supernatural. His beginning as a man was supernaturally ordained. In Galatians chapter 4, verse it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. His body was ordained. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 says, That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You talk about designer genes here. 
His blood was ordained. In 1 Peter 1, 19 and 20, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. His purpose was ordained to get the job done. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. His family was ordained. Even human, every human being is predestined to be adopted into God's family and share heaven with God and with his angels. Even though God predetermined that we should be with him in his kingdom, it is up to us as individuals to accept his gift. We can reject it. We can lose our soul and go to hell, but we can also choose to accept the wonderful gift of salvation that God has offered to us. The arrangements were made, but Satan threw a monkey wrench into the plan when he tempted Eve and Adam to sin. God then had to make salvation available to us by our own choice. Each of us has been chosen to share in God's family, but as free moral agents, a term meaning that we have a choice, we have the power to choose God or not to choose God. You know, I heard about a family that had a couple grandchildren that uh, had opted to reject their mom, their family, because of things that they had been told by a dad that was upset about everything. They listened to him and bought his lies. And uh, and, uh, at the moment, they were living outside the blessings that belonged to the family. Because of their choices, they've missed out on birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, and aren't even listed as beneficiaries to inherit what should rightfully be theirs when it is passed on through the family because of death. They've made the choice. The family desperately wants them to come back into the fold. They love them so very much. In the same way, Satan has told lies that have alienated God's children from him. He wants them to, God wants them to come back to him, but it's their choice as individuals whether they do or don't. This rebellious rejection of God is causing sinners to miss the inheritance that God has for them. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious gift he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Because the wages of sin is death, and we were born sinners, God had to redeem us unto himself. Not one person on earth could be good enough to earn heaven. Only a man with no sin of his own could achieve that by by dying in our place, by shedding his blood for us. I want to say Merry Christmas. That's what it's all about. 
Jesus is God. He alone could atone for the sins of the world population. His atonement is universal and is offered to every man, woman, and child. It's offered to you. But we must choose to accept this wonderful gift. We must choose personally. Nobody can choose for us. How is this gift delivered? You'd think something this important would be uh, delivered with a lot of fanfare and falderah. This gift was delivered in the most humble way. And I believe that was so that even the poorest people could relate. You know, if, it was, if Jesus had been born in a palace, everybody would think, I'm not good enough to accept what he's done for me. But he wasn't. He was born in a stable, in a manger, in the poorest conditions, so that whoever it is can know that, they can, that God can associate with them and relate to where they are. The manger was described in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Things haven't changed. There's still no room for Jesus. Jesus desires a relationship with his creation, but the coldness of the world crowds him out. See, the world has no room for Jesus. The par- I was hearing the parents at the Mesa grade school made a fuss over the song Silent Night and the little drummer boy being included in the children's Christmas program. You know, Dad made the most fuss. He said, this is neither the time nor the place. Well, I'd like to know what time and what place would be more appropriate when you're talking about Christmas, which is actually just celebrating the, the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, as I said, what are we celebrating? I wonder if the children are going to receive gifts to celebrate this holiday that starts with the name of Christ. Most homes crowd him out. Luke chapter 9, verse 58, but Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of God has no place to even lay his head. Jesus certainly can identify with homeless people. He wants to give you a home, a home in heaven, with him for all eternity. Have you let Jesus Christ into your life? Has he been able to come into your home? You know, we we suffered a loss in in 2008. We lost a home that we dearly loved, a home that uh, we we were so proud of. It had all the different things that I wanted, even a a swimming pool, even. I I, uh, had to go back to that home after we were were told to get out. I had to go back to retrieve a package that was sent in the mail to my old address because the address change hadn't been fixed yet. I had a film that I was going to show at church, and so I had to go there. And The father of the man who took over our house said, you know, there's such a spirit of peace in this house. I understand a minister used to live here. And I said, yes, I'm the minister and the peace is because I was living for Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't welcome in his own synagogue. Luke chapter 4, verse 28, And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of a hill 
whereon the city was built, and they might that they might cast him down headlong. When he announced who he was, the people in the synagogue got furious. Jesus isn't welcome in most churches today, I'm sad to say. There's so many churches today that have watered down the gospel. They preach about social issues. They preach about how to get along with your children or your wife or your husband. But they're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not saying, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. They're not saying, unless you repent, you should be lost in hell forever. They're not telling you to repent of your sins and turn from your wicked ways. What a shame that so many pastors have compromised in our world today. And we so need to revival if people, if the pastors would begin preaching like they're supposed to. I believe churches would turn back to God and I believe that would have, make an impact on our whole nation. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Jesus isn't welcome in our society. Luke chapter 2, 7 says she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. You know, this describes the confusion of the world. They don't recognize the gift of God that can bring peace and hope, and so they avoid him. All the prophets told the place, the manner, the time of his birth, but there was still no room for him when prophecy was finally fulfilled but there it was room in Pilate's hall you know when he came to to trial there was room to uh, pay attention to him then there was room on Calvary's cross there was room in Joseph's tomb but let's go on with the rest of the story <clears throat> that night it says in Luke chapter 2 8 through 18 that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Well, who were the shepherds? They were a, 
they were favored by a visit from the angels, and it said glory shone about them. Imagine the thrill of seeing the angels come and, and, and make this announcement. God included these shepherds in this wonderful news showing that God cares for the lowly and the humble. In fact, shepherds were really not welcome into their society. They, they were usually ignorant. They were usually dirty and sweaty and people just didn't want them around. But God wanted them and he took the message to them. These shepherds were frightened when they saw this uh, angels come. What would you do? God's mercy produces love and compassion. God's glory always produces fright. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says, Woe is me. Acts chapter 9, I mean, you know, when Isaiah saw, saw God high and lifted up, he said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I am undone. He knew where he was in relationship to God. In Acts 9, where Saul of Tarsus was going to Damascus, God appeared unto him, and Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he fell to the ground because he felt so humbled and frightened and inadequate. In Revelation, John fell like a dead man, it says. You know, today too many people take God too flippant and casual. We should approach him with respect and reverence. The angel's message was, it was simple and very understandable. And people try to make the plan of salvation too difficult. The angel said, unto you this day is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And we need to realize that Savior is available for us too. 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The message stimulated the shepherds to action. They didn't just continue to sit there in the field like bumps on a log. They got up and they got busy, happily responding to the gift God had just given to them. You know, too many Christians think that they're saved and that that's the end in itself. Not so. There should be a no parking sign on the altar when you go before God and confess your sins. That's just the beginning of a great life. That's not the end. When we're saved, we should get busy for the Lord. The shepherds went out and they told everyone. The message brought satisfaction. You know, nothing's more satisfying than knowing that your sins are forgiven or under the blood of Jesus Christ and that if you died right now, you'd go to be with him in glory. Jesus was born where and was laid in what? I ask you, was this any way to treat a king, putting him in a dirty old stable, in a manger, in hay, animal trough food? He was born in Bethlehem, just like the prophet said he would be. He was laid, as I said, in a humble manger so you could know he's available to you. He didn't stay a baby. He grew up and became your savior. Claim that gift with its benefits of sins forgiven and joy in your life because of the peace that Jesus Christ gives and the fact that you can have eternal life and be part of his heaven forever. There was a young man getting ready to go to college. He knew the vastness of the college campus, and he was to, uh, going to be there, and he thought that he needed a car to make it to all the classes on time. 
because his classes were all over the huge campus, but they were scheduled very close together. Also, he felt a car would help his social life. He asked his dad to buy him a car so he'd be able to get around. In fact, he'd already picked the car out. Dad said, come back this afternoon and we'll talk about it. That afternoon, he went to Dad's office expecting to receive money for a car. But instead, Dad handed him a book and said, Son, I want you to read this book. It'll help you with your college career. The son said, But Dad, I really need the car right away. Dad said, After you read the book, we'll discuss a car. Angrily, the son stomped out of the office, took the book home, and threw it on the floor of his room. He went to college without a car. At Christmas break, he came home and asked his dad about a car. Dad answered, Have you read the book? Talk about getting upset at an unreasonable request of his dad. All through four years of college, every time he came home, he'd ask about a car. Each time the answer was, Have you read the book? Finally, he graduated. He got married. He had a family of his own. And years later, he asked his dad just what was so important about that book. Dad says, do you still have the book? The now grown-up son said, yes, I kept it, but I never read it. Dad says, well, get it and open it up. When the son opened the book, he found a check written for the amount of the car they had wanted for college. The money was there all the time, but he wouldn't open the book to find it. You know, God has given us a wonderful book containing the information we need for the forgiveness of sin, for joy uh, unspeakable, and, and for peace that passes all understanding, and for eternal life. It tells of his wonderful Christmas plan for all of his children. Have you opened the book yet? Merry Christmas. Open the book and find the answers you need because God included you in that wonderful gift of salvation that he gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you right now. Father, I pray that you help us not to forget what Christmas is all about. Father, I pray that you help each one of us to realize that we can have the most wonderful gift in all uh, of the universe, the, the satisfaction of knowing our sins are forgiven, knowing Jesus Christ is our Savior, knowing that we have eternal life with him. And Lord, if there are some out there that haven't understood this, I pray that you help them to understand today. And they might repent of their sins, turn away from the evil that's in their lives, and ask Jesus to forgive them. And they accept your wonderful Christmas present. Praise God for what you've done for us. I pray your blessing upon each one that listens today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. My mailing address is box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86. 029. God bless you. I hope you remember what Christmas is about, and I hope God just fulfills all your, your hopes and expectations for you.